0: Morning. Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Thankful today for the things that have been shared with us, encouraging us in our walk, in our journey. Thank you. For all that uh, contributed to the service so far, we are blessed. I was, uh, I guess, thinking a little bit in terms of the fact that we have a baptism as well. Though uh, not necessarily just for those being baptized, but uh, definitely my mind went that direction. Maybe before we get into the message, we could just take a moment and pray. Shall we do that? Bow our heads. Our Father, we're here today again in the precious name of Jesus. We desire to lift up your Son, Father. We desire to gaze upon him. We desire, Father, to see the beauty of Jesus and the uh, truths and realities that he has brought, made possible for us. God, again today, we ask your blessing upon this assembly, upon all that are here, and all that is said here, Father. May we truly... May we truly lift up the Lord Jesus in truth, and Father, may we understand his purposes and his design for our lives while here on earth. So, Father, again, we do just commit our time to you. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in earth today, even as it is done in heaven. For we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I'd like to uh, just share a few points on the beautiful realities in Christ and the devotional touched on that a bit, the beautiful realities in Christ, but also recognized The devotional recognized that um, life is not a live happily ever after situation, storybook type of situation. Life is real. Life has life is a warfare. There is an enemy of our souls. There are battles that need to be fought. There are times of joy and blessing, and there are times of struggle, times of battle. That is that is uh, life, that is reality in the Christian life. The psalmist, psalm writer seemed to recognize that, seemed to experience that, and I would suspect that most of us have been on the journey long enough to know that as well that uh and they lived happily ever after doesn't necessarily apply to the christian walk but there are i believe and we we know we understand that there are in christ there are beautiful realities of truth that we we want to bring our hearts back to often, because it is those beautiful realities that can encourage us and stabilize us and strengthen us when the battle does get intense. And we uh, want to, uh, we recognize that that, uh, it is an anchor, it is an anchor for our souls, So Ephesians chapter 1 reading verse 1 through verse 14 to begin reads as follows Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be, to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. we'll stop reading there and uh maybe to just uh begin a bit here when we uh, we notice in verse 1 that Paul is writing he addresses or he, uh, yeah he addresses the letter to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus and and then he goes on and gives the discourse that we just read, and, uh, before, before I go into the points that I have here, I might just make a few comments. It's good uh, and healthy to understand who he's addressing, who he's writing to when we read a context like this, uh, because there are those who actually take this uh, scripture and uh and other scriptures, likewise, and come up with the uh, doctrines that uh, are known as Calvinism, where um, uh, it's all God and and uh, we you know we're just kind of domino or uh, uh just kind of dots on the map, and God moves us uh according to his will however, uh, like us to notice that uh, the, the the writing is addressed to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus and if we just look at verse 13 we discover who the saints and the faithful are they are in verse 13 in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, in uh, there we see um, basically what took place in the life uh, in the lives of those saints and those uh, faithful in Christ Jesus. They heard the word of truth. They uh, they uh, they heard the gospel. And they responded to it. They believed it. They trusted Christ. And that's uh, that's something that has uh, taken place in their lives. And I trust it has taken place in our lives. And it has taken place in the lives of those who are going to be baptized. They heard the gospel. They heard the word of truth. And they believed it. And they put their faith in it and thus they become a part of the saints and of the faithful in Christ Jesus. And uh, the scripture then goes on in in just uh, taking that thought and connecting it with verse 5, where he says that he's having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. That... uh, that simply is saying that God had predetermined that those who hear the gospel, those who believe it, those who will respond to it will be, in fact, it is His predetermined plan that they're going to be adopted as children into a family. It has nothing to do with the fact that God picks you and rejects you. It has everything to do with God's predetermined plan as to how this is going to work out. And that when a person hears the gospel message, uh, part of God's plan is that that person becomes a part of a family. And we'll talk about that more as we go. Down in verse 11, we have it again, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be, to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Verse, uh, verse 12 describes again what we have been predestinated to. What God had again predetermined that those who will trust in Christ will be to the praise of His glory. They will be to the praise of His name. And there's other uh, uh, scriptures that we could look at here. Um, but it's basically the idea that God, ahead of time, determined exactly what's going to take place, uh, in the sense, in the broad sense of the life of the believer. Uh, the life of the person who puts, uh, who hears the gospel message, responds to it, puts his faith in it, puts his trust in it, and this is some of what he can, uh, ex- he's going to experience in his life. That, uh, they will be, they, God has predetermined that those who will believe the message of Christ and respond to it will be to the praise of his name and uh, so forth. So it gives you just a tiny little quick little glimpse into uh, that concept that is in this, in these scriptures and I think we do well to recognize that it is, um, yeah, it's connection with uh Believing. And just like uh, uh, God, Jesus, uh, tells us in, in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A wide open door. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The wide door is wide open even today yet. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There, uh, There's opportunity <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> and that opportunity, we don't know how long that opportunity will be, but it continues at the moment. <clears throat> so, um, not taking any more time on that, uh, but we'd like to now speak of uh, some of the beautiful realities in Christ that are are uh, deep, uh, given in these scriptures. First one I'd like to talk about is redemption. Uh, redemption is a beautiful reality in Christ, and we like to talk about what it is a little bit. In verse 7, it says this, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says these words, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Uh, when we think about a ransom and redemption, they kind of go together. The uh, the word ransom, uh, there are several definitions to it, but the one that really applies to this context is to liberate from the misery and penalty of their sins. So Jesus came to give his life a ransom. He came to give his life that we could be liberated from the uh, from the misery and the penalty of sin. <clears throat> in uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And also Peter said, has this to say, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as gold and silver from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So we've not been redeemed uh, by corruptible things from our life of sin or our vain conversation, but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, who was verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had, um, <clears throat> God saw ahead of time exactly what He was going to do and how He was going to do it. And so there we have the idea of redemption. Uh, or yeah, we have uh, Peter giving us that description, and then in Titus chapter two verse fourteen, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, there that's Titus chapter two verse fourteen. That is a verse that describes redemption. Could we say perfectly? It describes redemption perfectly. Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, um, some, some some years ago, I read an article in a magazine that reminded me of this uh, of redemption and I think I've used it before some of you might recognize it but there was a uh, there was this, uh, a gentleman who uh, his father was an old man by this time and uh, his father had an old old tractor that was parked in the back corner or in the fence row of the farm in the graveyard of the farm and uh it was it had uh, seen its glory days but it had uh, been uh, i guess practically worn out and maybe become obsolete and replaced with the greater and the better perhaps or whatever the case was but there it sat uh missing various parts uh n- not able to run and uh this uh this gentleman this uh was a son of the, of the man who owned it, he got a, a vision to uh, restore this tractor and he took the thing and recovered it from its situation and took it to his shop and put hours and hours of time into it and, he, and replaced the missing parts and repaired the broken parts and cleaned the rusty parts and totally cleaned the thing up and uh, restored it back to its original condition. And then, after it was all done, one day, one beautiful sunny day, he brought the tractor over to present it to his father, who had no idea that he was doing what he was doing. And I thought of that as, uh, uh, when I read that story, it just reminded me so much of redemption, where the Lord Jesus, who sees us, human beings, having messed our lives up, whether in religious pursuits that have not Christ or whether in sinful pursuits that have not Christ. Uh, you know, self is self, whether it's religious self or whether it's sinful self. And if it's apart from Christ, it's ugly and it's dirty and it's filthy. And uh, Christ, having seen us in whatever state he, we were and uh, having seen the potential to... Uh, Restore us to bring us back to our rightful condition, having delivered us from, uh, that sin and, uh, going to work on, our, on us and, uh, repairing the broken parts and, and, uh, uh, you know, re, uh, removing the, the, uh, wrong desires and, 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 uh, putting in their, uh, Holy desires, and you know, just uh, like this, like Titus says here, that uh, having redeemed us from all iniquity and purifying unto himself a peculiar people, a special people, zealous of good works. In other words, um, redemption is, in fact, being taken from the mess we were and made something beautiful. Redemption is not just a theory, redemption is not just an idea that. Uh, like a ticket that we stick into our pocket and uh, it gives us a pass to glory. Redemption is actually a change of life. It's actually being pulled out of the gutter. It's actually being pulled out of our selfishness and sin and being made a new person by the grace of God working in us. That's redemption. And that's uh, one of the beautiful realities that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, We... You know, we're once a slave to sin, once a slave to flesh, once a slave to self, but we are redeemed from all iniquity. And that's redemption. And that is a blessing. And, uh, you know, uh, is it a once and done deal? No, not necessarily. In fact, it isn't. You know, we, 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 uh, we don't need to get the idea that, well, that, that redemption, that total change over, that total makeover, all uh, needed to have taken place right there, that conversion. And if it didn't, then I must have missed a few loads on the uh, bricks on the load, you know. No, not necessarily. Uh, uh, the conversion and the turning of the heart to Christ and the surrendering of the will to Christ is actually only the beginning. And from there, once we surrender that will, and Christ can begin the work, and then becomes a lifelong process of of Christ making us into the beautiful image of Himself. And working it in us, and so redemption is a beautiful reality in Christ, and one to be thrilled about uh, I'm thrilled about it I trust you are too that uh, the lord jesus can can take us and uh, and when and even as a Christian as we, you know and and having walked the road you know how how many years some of us uh, a year, some of us five, some of us ten, some twenty, some thirty, you know. Uh, and we walk along in life and there are probably times when we, uh, you know, a life brings a situation our way that is a test of our faith and a test of of uh, our response and we might not always see the appropriate response. And, and uh, we can uh, look back again to the glorious redemption of Jesus and realize he can redeem us in that situation and, and in that response and in that need and in that sin and in that failure and he can redeem us and he will redeem us if we uh, allow his continued work in our hearts <clears throat> redemption a beautiful reality in Christ like to talk about justification and i you know also a beautiful reality in Christ and sometimes we we they tend to kind of mean a little bit uh, sometimes that we can tend to feel like they mean the same thing but uh uh, let's let's ponder it a little bit justification ephesians 1 verse 4 says this according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be with holy and without blame before him in love and there, there again, I can't help but go back to my introductory statements. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame in, uh, before him in love. We could, uh, we could put the focus there and say, okay, God chose Earl and Brian and and Eldon and and He chose these people, no. God chose that we would the believer, the one who puts his trust and faith in Christ, will be holy and without blame. That's what God chose. That the one who will believe in Christ will be holy and without blame. He didn't choose the person. He chose the result of what would take place to the person who believes in Christ. Um, and so here we have uh, this uh, idea of being holy and without blame. And that simply is justified. We're justified. We're clear. Uh, justify, to justify means to clear of blame or guilt. You know, as a child, if you do something you know your parents don't like or your parents told you not to, there's an immediate something on your conscience. There's, there's that heaviness. There's that guilt. There's that uh, burden. Well... When you are justified, that guilt and, and burden is gone. And however, your dad chooses to justify you in it. But uh, we'll talk about, uh, uh, we'll let that to your dad. We'll go on. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. You know, we ought to have a little more of that context. Colossians 1. 122. Yes, and you that were, verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. It's that same idea of being unblameable and unreprovable. There's a sense in which it is... uh, to be justified is to be given a standing or to be given a, a standing, is that the word? But to be given a position as though you had never done it. And though you did do it, but when you are justified, you are looked upon as though you had never done it. An amazing thing. But uh, justification To be justified is part of the beautiful realities in Christ. I remember some time ago sitting in a courtroom and uh, where a person was being accused of a crime. And the courts spend a good part of the day hearing all the evidences and all the arguments against the individual. And toward the end of the day, the jury was sent out to determine, after having heard all the evidences, the jury was sent out to determine what, you know, what's the, what's the verdict. Is this person, in fact, guilty or not? Will he be, will he be judged guilty according to the law? <clears throat> and the jury uh, went out to determine the, the outcome. They returned sometime later and declared the accused innocent. They justified him. They cleared the individual of all blame. That was a, you know, that was a courts of the land. But it was a, you know, for that individual it was a reality. The, the, uh, the uh uh jury justified him cleared him of all uh, uh blame and his record was totally clear regarding that accusation as far as the courts of this land go and that's the that's the picture of what we have with uh with Jesus Christ um let's look at Romans chapter 3 verse 23 Romans 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And that is, that is the picture that we have here. We have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. But when God justifies us through His Son, we are, all the guilt and the blame is removed from us. And we are declared free from all that guilt and from all that blame and from all that accusation. And from, uh, uh, we are given a, uh, uh, a clean slate. That's justification. To being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is through Christ Jesus that we can have that justification. Through faith in Him, faith in His shed blood at Calvary, faith in what He has done to bring salvation to mankind. And, uh, yeah, when we put our faith in Christ and the blood shed at Calvary, uh, we can be justified. We are justified. <clears throat> and he clears us of blame and guilt. What a beautiful, beautiful reality. <clears throat> you know, some would, some would uh, say that, uh, well, then, we can just continue in sin. Because he justifies us, no. We are justified, we are redeemed, that we might walk in newness of life. Let's take a look now at uh, adoption, a beautiful reality in Christ. We talked about that just a little bit. It is in verse five having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, children by Jesus Christ to Himself. According to the good pleasure of His will. You know, family is a term that is used in Scripture quite a bit. Um, adoption is a term that is used in Scripture quite a bit. You know, God, in trying to describe to us what His, what the relationship is with His, with Him and His people, uses words like adoption and family. You know, the concept of family uh, in uh in 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 helping us to understand that relationship. Romans chapter eight, verse fourteen to seventeen, maybe you could turn there. Talks about this subject of adoption. Romans eight verse fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. the uh, spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or my Father, <clears throat> our Father. And Galatians 4 has some of the same ideas, That verse 5, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore? Thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know, there's a, uh, there's a scripture that comes to my mind in Jesus. He, 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 uh, I think it might be in John where he talks about the Spirit of God coming. He says, I will not leave you uh, comfortless. I, something I, but there's one, there's one phrase in one of the scriptures that says I, it, the idea is that I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans, you will have a father. <clears throat> and like Romans says there, if children then heirs heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ, you know we are part of a family as a, as a believer in Christ we We experience adoption into a family. The family of God. Into the family of believers. And I believe that is... uh, That's not just... You know, there's those scriptures that speak of of, uh, the local family. You know, the church body. But I believe in this context, it's actually speaking of the, the large church body. The worldwide church body. We become a part of the body of Christ. It's a family, you know... And uh, you know how it is. You can you can meet a total stranger, and you can you can sense a believer. You can sense family, right? You can sense that kinship that you can sense that uh, connection. Uh, and it can be a different race and different nationality, and you sense that connection because we're family. We're adopted into a family. Uh, we are part of a family. We have an identity. We belong. You know there's a lot of emphasis on identity and a lot of emphasis on belonging you know uh that uh, people need that to thrive well god took care of that didn't he in uh, in the believer's life we have an identity we belong we're a part of a family we've been adopted <clears throat> and it is a beautiful reality in christ that uh we can experience and is a, is 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 a part of our experience in christ Next point I'd like to consider is uh, simply the spiritual blessings that are a beautiful reality in Christ. You know, uh, you know, as we think about blessings, I go back. Let me find my way back here to Ephesians again. In verse three, it says that. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And, you know, as we think about that, the all spiritual blessings, I, I recognize that as we read on down through and we, 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 uh, we learn about the, the adoption, the redemption, the, uh, the justification and all those things, those are uh those are part of the reality of the spiritual blessings. They without a doubt, they are. But I'd like to also take our mind beyond those things alone, uh, which they are a wonderful blessing. But I'd like to talk about also the spiritual blessings that come to us in Christ uh, simply because we have the Spirit of God within. You know, the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, in other words. We have, uh, uh, Galatians 5 speaks of the fruits of the Spirit. The, the, uh, it speaks of the, the works of the flesh on the one hand and the fruits of the Spirit on the other hand. And I would guess that all of us in our, uh, life's experiences, whether in our own life or in people that we meet, have at times, at times, uh, we come up against that difference, you know. We come up against that works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit, and we maybe we even uh, find ourselves at times in situations, uh, in yeah, it could like could, yeah, in uh, where we work with someone, or we rub shoulders with someone, or we're trying to do business with someone, and they are largely uh, functioning by the works of the flesh, and And, uh, it, it's evident in how you, how they relate and it's evident in how they, uh, how, how, and it can at times be challenging to actually work with such situations because of the, the, uh, the way the flesh is always thinking about itself. And, uh, then we, when we contrast that, we recognize that when we are personally, first of all, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is coming out of our lives. And then we work with others and we work in situations where the fruit of the Spirit is evident in the life of the individual. And the blessing that that is. And the contrast when it's not there. And so the blessings of uh, uh, the spiritual blessings uh, that are a beautiful reality in Christ are also the fruit of the spirit in the life of the believer and how they uh, work themselves out and how it's uh, much more uh, pleasant to engage and to work with people where that's evident and where it's uh, where it's functioning. And just, you know, a quick rundown, uh, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, patience. When those fruits are evident and are at work, and uh, how much more pleasant it it is to be working with uh, uh, people when those things are evident, as opposed to the opposite of the works of the flesh. So, spiritual blessings are a beautiful reality in Christ. And, you know, today uh, we sit here, and many of us had the privilege of being... uh, raised in Christian homes by parents who profess a faith in Christ and who have, to some measure, some extent, the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Uh, Perhaps not to perfection, but nonetheless, creates a very different home, very different atmosphere, very different place for you to grow up in, shapes your life in a very different way than if you'd have grown up in a home where there'd have been no fruit of the Spirit. And there have only been works of the flesh which you only need to go to the cities and well, you don't even need to go that far. But that's often where we, you know, where we see it most or where we get involved the most. We go ministering in cities and get involved in children's lives and get involved in homes and, and uh, suddenly you're face to face with the, the painfulness uh, of, of home life where the works of the flesh are largely dominant. <clears throat> And so the fruit of the spirit in the life of the believer is indeed a beautiful reality in Christ, and something to be grateful for and to be uh, thankful for. <clears throat> Another uh, reality we like to talk about is the inheritance that is ours, and that Ephesians also speaks of here. It says in whom, in verse eleven, in whom we have obtained. And inheritance. <clears throat> and then in verse 13 it says, uh, in whom ye also trusted after that the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. There we have, uh, the, uh, The thought of an inheritance in several different verses. And we have this verse here in 13 tells us that the Holy Spirit, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we, when we believe in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is like a seal. It's like a signet. It identifies us perhaps. And that that Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance, it's the down payment, the earnest money. Now, when you buy something and you put a down payment on it, you often the down payment is often just a small part of the whole. Now, I, uh, I think it's safe to uh, assume that the, the down payment of the Spirit of God is just a small part of what we'll actually get when we get the whole thing. Uh, but it is uh, it is an earnest of an of the inheritance it is uh it is something of god that he gives to us giving us a little bit of a taste of what he's you know what the whole thing is going to be when we when we are finally in the end uh redeemed out of this life into uh eternal life into the uh eternal kingdom <clears throat> so we have an inheritance something uh, that we can look forward to a full possession is yet to come. What you know? What are we going to inherit? Well, Jesus says in Matthew twenty-five verse thirty-four. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Uh, we will inherit a kingdom, uh, a kingdom that is. Uh, An eternal kingdom. Scripture speaks of that kingdom in various ways. Revelation gives various descriptions of it. A place where, you know, currently we live in a world that is a fallen world. It is, you know, it is marred by sin, and people's lives are marred by sin, and and uh, we uh, we uh, live in an existence where there are powers of darkness that uh, can tempt us, can can, uh, uh, you know. In whatever their limited ways can engage us, even as a believer, they can, they can, uh, as much as God allows them, have some scrapes with us, you know. But in that eternal kingdom, all that evil is going to have been done away with, you know. Uh, we're going to live in a, in an existence where there is no such a thing as a temptation to evil, and there is no such a thing as evil existing in that place. Uh, no such a thing as something that's wrong. No such a thing as, as uh, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, an, a, a kingdom uh, prepared from the foundation of the world. An existence that will be for all eternity in a place that is beautiful. Um, no uh, no sin, no unrighteousness, nothing of uh, the devil will be in his uh, place of torment in the kingdom. And uh, we will be in the presence of God. Revelation 21, verse 7 says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I don't know what the all things necessarily are other than the eternal uh, things of God. And, and he goes on and says, And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Uh, what a beautiful inheritance that we can, uh, you know, not just by faith. You know, today we, are, we talked about adoption earlier. That's, you know, that is a reality by faith. It, it, is, it is a reality. But this is going to be beyond faith. This is going to be, here's God and here are you, you know, and here we are together, uh, face to face. <clears throat> so, we have an inheritance A beautiful reality in Christ. Something awaiting us if we are faithful. And, uh, yeah, remain faithful to the Lord Jesus to the very end. You know, God, as we kind of wrap things up here, God has purposed. That these beautiful realities would flow out of Christ. That they, they would be available to those who believe in Christ. That they would be available. They would be a reality in the life of those who put their faith in Christ. Uh, they cannot be obtained in any other way. They cannot be realized in any other way. But in Christ. And God is... Uh, you know calling us to live in the reality of these realities you know calling us to live and to enter into the joy of these realities that that can be ours in Christ you know my as i think about that i my my, my heart says you know lord open the eyes of my understanding that i could understand these realities more fully that i could enter into them that I could realize them more deeply in my own experience, in my own walk with the Lord, that they could be more, more fully the motivation, you know, that, of that uh, uh, in my own existence as a believer, that uh, that they would that that these realities in Christ would be the the joy and the fullness of, of serving Him. So may God inspire our hearts again to, uh, continue on. We have, we have an inheritance awaiting. We are faithful and uh, endured to the end. We have much to look forward to. Perhaps we could t- take just a moment again and uh, close with prayer. Shall we bow our heads? Our Father, thank you again for the word of Christ, and thank you for the realities that Jesus has brought into existence for us, for all who will believe. And Father, today we again ask that as we, as believers, go through this life, would you help us to to give that invitation to others who do not yet know or experience these realities in Christ, And God bless each one in this room as we perhaps falter at times in in recognizing uh, these realities and falter at times in appreciating them or falter in, in valuing them as we should. Lord, grant us again a refreshment of our spirit to just gaze upon you and to be renewed in our commitment to Walk faithfully. Father, bless uh, the afternoon service as well. As uh, a number of souls seal their faith in baptism. Thank you, Lord. And we again just ask, go with us. Pour out your spirit upon us. And keep us in your grace and in your care. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.